They say drain the swamp. That basically is talking about getting rid of the corrupt political leaders. Yeah, getting rid of corruption in, you know, D.C., right? Uh, Which that's a hard, that's a hard ask. Yeah. You know, but... Well, I don't. What I don't think people realize either is part of that swamp is the military leadership. They're they're all involved in it in some form or fashion, right? Yeah. So these officers who pick up rank to the point of general or admiral, they're politicians in uniform. So they become yes men at a certain point in their career to pick up rank, and they have to. A lot of them, I'd say a large percentage of them are left-leaning, mm-hmm. right? So they're pushing the left's agenda into the military, which is why recruitment is down like it is in the military right now because what they're pushing down now is, or they have been, is the whole, you know, um, well, Millie said it in one thing. He's like, I want to know why there's white rage in the military. The whole... Uh, white rage? Yeah. Um, what's that, the CRT? Remember that... Um, Critical race theory. Mm-hmm. So he's pushing that into the military. The whole gender crap is, you know, that's, yeah. that's, uh, yeah, like a, you can pick whatever gender you want to be in the military and the government will pay for it. Mm-hmm. That is like their main focus instead of building a fighting force that, you know, that we've had in the past that other countries fear. Um, but now it's, you know, all this other woke BS, which is why recruitment's down. But that's the reason they push those agendas down into the military so they can pick up ranks, so they can cozy up next next to whatever administration's in office. Um, you know, right now the Biden administration, and you know, obviously we know that that's their main focus as well. Mm-hmm. So all these generals and admirals, they're yes men, dude. And you think they? Do you think they get in there do you think it's like a slow moving back of it? It's like, okay, they get in there and they have like, okay, I'm here to make a difference and to lead and, and to be a part of leadership. And then like, no, nope, the way you play the game in order to grow in leadership here is you've got to I'm sure they. I'm sure when they start off early in their career, when they're young officers, yeah, I don't think they could have pictured – you know, where they're like Millie when he was just a young first lieutenant or whatever they call him in the army. Um, he probably couldn't have pictured himself right where he's at right now, pushing the type of things he's pushing. Um, but that's the name of the game for those people. I mean, they, they're ladder climbers. So, and here's the other thing, like once they hurt, hit a certain rank and I, I don't know which one, like if it's Oh four or Oh five, in order for them to get promoted, it has to be signed off by Congress, by somebody in Congress, right? Mm-hmm. So, again, if they have some leftist-leaning congresswoman or congressman to sign off on it, the reason they're signing off on that is because they know that person's going to go ahead and push that at whatever agenda that they want. Mm-hmm. And that's how they end up picking up rank, you know, getting extra stars on their shoulders or, or whatever, and they get to the top. And here's the other thing, too, is, you know, and I've seen this through my throughout my whole career. They're like Millie, you know, you you see him, you know, in his uniform, and he's like got the massive stack of ribbons, and everyone's like, "Oh man, he's you know combat proven." No, he's not. Hmm. That dude hasn't probably never kicked in a door. 
Mm. Never been on the front lines. Like most officers, he's earned those ribbons off the blood, sweat, and tears of enlisted men and women below Really? Them. Oh, yeah, dude. So, As a civilian, I would look at that and i go, well, I mean, look at all that. I mean, this dude's been through everything. I would look at that and think it's he's... Fake. He's full of shit, dude. And mm. here's the thing. He's not the only one. I mean, I've seen it. So to give you an example, um, this has happened on multiple deployments. We're about to go do an op, which we know we do all the time. Some officer will show up that we haven't seen before. And he's like, hey, I'm going out with you guys mm-hmm. as like a strap hanger. I'm just going to sit in the Humvee or the Mat V or whatever. So we'll go out, do an operation. Strap hanger? Yeah, like hangs on the straps. Yeah, he's just <laughs> you know along for the ride. Yeah. He's not part of the operation. He's not doing the work, and we don't want him to either. Yeah. It's like, dude, we don't know you, but we'll go out, do our job, come back. That officer will literally leave that Humvee or Matt V, go back to where they came from, and put themselves in for a combat award because they went out on a combat mission, mm. but they didn't do anything, right? That's how they do that on purpose so that it's like putting something on your resume like, oh, see, I've, yeah. I've been to combat. And it's like you really haven't. And, you know, I think that that proved, you know, was proven during the Afghan withdrawal. You saw how, like, inadequate or just incompetent that plan was, right? And everyone, I mean, anybody that looked at that can be like, what were you guys thinking, right? My, you know, my youngest son, Ryan, could have come up with a better plan in 10 minutes if I'm like, hey, we have to evacuate all these people. You have this, this, and this. What would you do? He'd probably come up with a better plan. Yeah. But the reason that plan was so dicked up is because the leaders that we have have no experience. They don't know what the hell they're doing. Do they not consult the guys on the ground of going, hey, uh, like. They don't listen. That's. No, they don't consult and they and half the time they don't listen. It's. It's an elitist attitude, dude. Like, they all have this elitist attitude, and it's the same It's the same attitude as what's going on, you know, in the White House and with the administration. Like, rules for thee, but not for me. Mm. I can do what I want, but you can't. Mm. And, you know, even if I do something wrong, I'll never get held accountable for it, nor will I admit that I did anything wrong. Yeah, like, we are going to take away your guns, but I'm going to have, like, armored personnel... Like yeah, I mean, private. it's all hypocrisy, right? Um, and that is, I mean, that is, a, I, I think, one of the major problems that we have, why recruitment is so low, is because our military leadership, the country knows it too. I mean, it's it's being exposed, and they're like, people don't want their sons or daughters going to work for these individuals with these people in charge because they've proven time and time again that they don't give a shit about the men and women below them. They're making decisions for their own betterment, not for the people that they're leading. Hmm. And people have that figured out. See, I, that, it's, it's hard. It's, I understand it, but like I think of in the private world, running a company, you want it. Yes, sometimes you have to make decisions that the guys under you don't understand necessarily, or they're not, they're not looking at the big picture. You are, but you would you never really make decisions that you're not factoring in all their experience and, and you're talking with them, getting their feedback because you want to make the best decision. Exactly. Right. And yeah, I mean, there's definitely times where as a leader, 
you have to make a decision that is probably not agreeable with some of the people that you're in charge of, right? But it's up on you as a leader to explain that to them. Be like, hey, I'm making this decision because of X, Y, and Z. And you can be blunt about it too and be like, hey, this is a decision I'm making. And, you know, if you have any gripes or complaints, let me know now, but we are going to go this way. And then you listen to your people's gripes and complaints and maybe come up with a solution that, you know, can put them at ease a little bit. But in the end, you know, you're in the military. It's like, you're going to do what you're told. But the, here's the thing, like the decisions that are being made by these leaders are getting people killed. Mm. It's not, it's not like a little decision where it's like, Oh, I got to, you know, go stand watch for 12 hours because you've got to do this. Like that's nothing. Like they're literally putting people in danger. And then when people get killed, they're like, well, nope, it was a victory. Mm. Victory. It's like, no, anytime we lose somebody, it's not a victory, mm-hmm. right? We we lost an American service member. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be. But that's, you know, with the Afghan withdrawal, we lost the 13 service members during that. And that's not even mentioned, mm. right? They won't even hear it. They're like, no, it was a victory. There's no accountability. Yeah, and that is the, I mean, that's the common theme too. It's no accountability whatsoever for leaders at all. And I think that's what people are seeing. Yeah. Well, I I think of even even in your last deployment, right, with you, you were leading for the most part, right? Like I know you had someone beside you that was. I had an uh, officer, yeah. But you were the, you were the chief. I was the chief, so I'm in charge of the tactical picture, right? I'm the tactical lead. So the like officer you, is tr- strategic. Like okay. he's in charge, like you said, big picture, up and out. I'm looking down and in. Yeah. Okay, that's a good way to put it. But, but like even then, I think of you as the leader. You you your task with putting your team in dangerous situation. Like you, that's your job is to go after them. So you're putting yourself in positions where they can get killed, but yet you're doing it in the safest way. Like you didn't lose anyone in your last one, did you? No, you know, thank God. Uh, but yeah, it's well when you, you know, you have when you have a dangerous job, right? You you have a job that's, you know, you're expected to be in danger most of the time. But what you do is you come up with plans and contingencies to try and mitigate all that, to try and mitigate. Yeah people getting hurt or killed right but the reality is war is war and things happen that are out of your control sometimes for Um, sure but it's up on you as a leader to come up with a plan that mitigates the most amount of risk but you're not losing someone because of trying to mitigate the most amount of risk sure but you're not losing someone because you're like well i was lazy and i didn't think through it or i just needed to like make a move to move me up politically. Yeah. No. Those. Like you lost someone because of all the factors that involved in you going after ISIS. Yeah. I mean, we, we got, I mean, my last, we had a couple incidents. Um, you know, we, we took a rocket one time and luckily, um, just, uh, our Terp, our interpreter got hit. Um, but he survived. And then a couple guys got, you know, took some shrapnel. And then our EOD guy got shot. 
uh, during uh, one, one day when we were out, and it literally was, I mean, it was quiet out, nothing. We were, you know, sneaking up into position um, on a rooftop, and it was just one shot ring out, and he got smacked in the leg. Uh, you worked on him too, didn't you? Yeah, myself and another medic worked on him. Um, you know, and he's he's a back operating now. But, Sweet. you know, you come back and you do an after-action report and debrief and like, okay, how did this happen? What could we have done to prevent it? Yeah. Um, and bottom line is it's like sometimes – Shit happens, man. And Sometimes you couldn't prove We don't know that. where that round came from. I'm pretty sure to this day it wasn't even ISIS. It was probably one of the partner force who, you know, saw some movement on a roof and took a shot. Uh, huh. But, I, you know, I don't know that for sure. But I just, sure. the the way the round came in and smacked him um, in the leg, it, it wasn't from the front line. Mm-hmm. It was perpendicular to us. Um, mm. So... Yeah. Like when you took on the job of being chief, did you, and I contrast this to government, did you, did you feel the weight of that responsibility of like these, like, I feel like you already had the weight even when you weren't chief of like, these are my brothers, like I'll take a bullet for them. Yeah. I mean, that's the thought process you have from when you're a new guy all the way up until however long you're going to be in is, yeah, you're, you're out there. Um, making sure that the guy to the right and left of you comes home um, and you're willing to give your life to make that happen, right? And each person has that same thought process, which is what makes us such a uh, a good fighting force, you know? Oh. Um, so, yeah, there's pol- – like politics and all that other BS don't come into play when it when it comes to planning missions or operations, at least not in the enlisted side. You know, oh. I'm sure on the officer side and a little bit up, that's for sure. I mean, even my last deployment that there was, you could tell that there was politics in play, right? Because they were like, hey, you guys can't go to the front line. You ha- you have to be 800 yards behind the front line, right? Um, or ahead of the front line, however you want to look at it. Uh, and when we started operating and following the, that rule, it was like, dude, we weren't getting anything done. Mm-hmm. It was like, well, what are we doing out here? Mm-hmm. And they literally were, f- like, fine with it. They were like, well, it just keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And we're like, dude, well, we're not going to win. Like, we're literally making no yeah. progress doing this. You know, yeah, we're flying the drone and, you know, we're, we're dropping some bombs, but the our partner force wasn't making any, any forward movement. And it wasn't until we push the envelope and we're like, nope, we're going to skirt up a little bit and start engaging with organic weapons, our own organic weapons. And that's when the partner force saw that. And two things happened. You know, they were like, they started moving. They're like, okay, nice. These guys are getting in the fight and we earn their respect. Mm-hmm. Right. Before that, they were like, dude, you, what, what are you guys? I mean, they were pissed that we weren't getting involved and, I, you know, after thinking about it, it's like, I don't think we were trying to win as fast as we did because they want to keep the military industrial complex going. And they're like, as long as we just keep this war going for money. Oh yeah. It all comes down to money. Oh yeah. And it doesn't matter who gets killed. It's like, 
as long as they're they're filling those pockets. I can't I can't imagine that as a leader. Like I I feel I feel the I feel the weight of like even my employees of like hey they got families and they have bills and like this company has to be doing good so that they can take care of their family you know and like I I own that in a sense like I can't imagine being a leader over people's lives and like not just their not just their time but their like actual lives. And not feel the weight of that. And when you lose thirteen members out of of not going back and going, man, dude, how, like we need to go over this and see where we screwed up, where yeah. we can well, do you're, better. You're talking about the withdrawal, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that whole thing was just an abomination. And you know, it's I remember waking up that morning when it was being shown you know, on TV and you've seen all the Afghans trying to hang on to the planes mm-hmm. and everything. I mean, literally like, and I'm not like an, the most emotional person I'm working on it, but I, I had like tears in my eyes watching it. Cause I was like, dude, how, how is this happening in this fashion right now? Like there's, there's no way like a better plan could not have, you know, taken place or somebody who looked at the original plan didn't go, Hey, this this doesn't seem right. Let's let's think this out and come up with a better plan, right? But again, yeah. I'm sure the Biden administration was like, "Nope, let's do this" because they're doing it for political reasons to say, "Hey, I was the first president to, you know, evacuate everybody and end the war in Afghanistan." So they're like, "Just hurry up, press the button and get it done." But it's on the generals and admirals to sit that president down or whoever's like making the calls and being like, Hey dude, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll do the withdrawal, but let's do it correctly. Mm-hmm. Let's do it in a fashion where we don't get service members killed. We're not leaving how many thousands of Americans behind mm-hmm. or all the, the, the poor yeah. Afghans that helped us out during the whole entire war. We just left them. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it came down to veterans really who had already been out, who had served, over there who really rallied up and were like, okay, we'll fix, we're going to try and fix this problem and get people out. I yeah. mean, and that's, like but that's the, yeah. Like Jared. I mean, there's, there's plenty of other guys that that's cool. were involved in, in doing stuff like that. And that's cool, but that's sad. Exactly, dude. And that, I mean, it, that, that's a common theme throughout. Right. So like even with the, um, suicide epidemic or like the mental health, uh, catastrophe, that's going on with, with guys and girls getting out after serving 20 years, um, especially in the past two decades that have been at war. There, you know, there's not enough being done for these individuals. And I'm not saying they should be, like, catered to, and but I do think there needs to be more done because the suicide epidemic is still rampant. No one talks about it. It's still ongoing. Um, and it's... Again, it's shooters taking care of shooters. The guys, enlisted guys, and are standing up, you know, creating nonprofits, creating foundations that are helping these individuals. But you don't see the VA or the military doing anything like that. They're which you know their their focus is on is supposed to be on building a better fighting force, and you know it's a big machine. But dude, from what 
I'm seeing and what everybody else is seeing, it's like not only are they not doing that, they're now focused on the woke agenda and, you know, what, what gender are you or, you know, you know, all this other crap, the critical race theory and all this other BS, but they're completely turning a blind eye to the real epidemic of what's going on is dudes are taking their lives all the time because they're, you know, mentally jacked up from what the military asked them to do, you know, and, you know, yes, you volunteered. Great. And you, that's on you. But at the same time, I don't think the military was prepared for this outcome of being at war for 20 years and the repercussions. So, you know, again, it's, it's shooters taking care of shooters. Uh, and, it shouldn't. It's un, It's good that it's happening, but it's also unfortunate that it has to happen in that way. That not enough is being done mm-hmm. by the institution itself. Yeah. I, I I like. I think of it. I think of like the level of problems. Um, that high of a level, and so many of them that even if even if they don't end up committing suicide they're living suboptimally right they have a lot of ptsd they have they, they've lacking purpose right and and needing that camaraderie and, and and is there not that much funding that goes towards that stuff there is plenty of funding i mean there's and but there's, is it not used well maybe there's plenty of nonprofits out there that are i mean that are out there to help individuals. But the thing is, it's such a, a finicky subject because I think what happens is guys get out and they isolate themselves, right? They, they don't want to bother anybody with their problems. Um, everybody's always worse off than they are, which is not true. Uh, and they're like, well, I'm just going to sit here, drink, take whatever multiple prescriptions the BA has given me. And literally they just go down, down a hole until eventually they put a gun in their mouth. Um, and so I, I don't know. I think there needs to be more done. And yeah, I mean, I think we could definitely put more funding into solving that problem. Um, but you know, we're instead, we're sending 130 something billion over to Ukraine Mm -hmm. to, continue the military industrial complex and keep the those same companies like Raytheon and uh Boeing and all those other ones making money. Mm. How do you think how do you think do you think it gets stopped without Trump? I, I like the way that I I think of it is Do I think it, what can be stopped without Trump? Like the draining the swamp, like getting changing the political aspect of America. I don't know if anybody has the balls to do it besides him. Honestly, uh, he's a proven candidate, um, you know, and uh, it's obvious. Like all these indictments and all this bullshit they're putting him through is because they they know he's a threat to the swamp. He's a threat to the way they've been doing business and they do not want him back in that white house at all. Because, you know, he, he's proven that 
he he has a he has a thick skin. He has a strong backbone, and he will get shit done. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and I think he only had four years last time, and he literally was fighting against the swamp while he was in the White House. He was surrounded by it, um, and I think one of his you know mistakes was not clearing that out and being like bringing in a whole new team. Um, but I think you know, just like any good leader, he's like, "Cool, I learned my lesson. I'm going to change it in this next go round." Uh. Um, so yeah, I I don't see because and another thing is Trump's not a politician. Yeah, right. He's not, which is why a lot of people love him. Yeah, they're sick of the politician. Well, and also you know, he's inspiring. He he really is. He you know, and I I know people. Oh my gosh, Trump! I'm like, dude, he's more inspiring than anybody else that we have on the ticket right now because he's not scared to stand up and go, no, we're not doing that. This is the way we're doing it. We're putting America first. Mm-hmm. And he really does love this country. Like he, I mean, he doesn't have to be president too. He, he could literally live the, his best life. He, he was already, you know, he's a billionaire. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't have to do this. He's doing it because he loves his country and he cares about it. Mm-hmm. And he knows how great we used to be. Um, and he's like, we can bring that back. Um, and the amount of shit that he takes on a daily basis, his family takes on a daily basis and he keeps fighting. That's the guy that I want, mm-hmm. right? I, I want that dude in charge, you know, and I don't care if he's not well-spoken and, oh, he's not very presidential and dude, that right there is a red flag to me. If someone gets up there and has a silver tongue and they can, oh my gosh, he sounds so good. Who gives a shit, dude? What is? What are his actions? I don't care what his words are. They're all lying. They all get up there and lie. I was telling somebody the other day, like, oh, did you watch the, you know, the uh, Republican debates, whatever that went on, right, with all the other uh, yahoos that are running? And I'm like, no, dude, I'm, I'm not watching that. I'm like, that's like watching a trailer to a movie, you know, and you're like, dude, this movie looks awesome. And then you go see the actual movie, and it's like, dude, this movie sucks. It's like because they only put the little best pieces for of three minutes, and then real in reality, it's a shit show of a movie. It's the same thing that the way I look at it, it's the same thing with these debates, man. They they have this certain amount of time, and they're just saying what they need to say, hope, hoping that people are like, oh my gosh, oh, I like that, I like that, and it's like, dude, this this individual is not going to do that, yeah. You know? Yeah, it's a great example, <laughs> dude. It if if do you think that some of what they're doing? It, I mean, like all the indictments and all that stuff. One, I'm really surprised if you have the full left side of the government coming at you, right? Yeah, like I'm surprised. Like they've barely found anything. Like, I'm like. Goodness gracious, you come after me, you'll probably find a lot more than you found in Trump. Like, I'm sure there's something. Oh, for sure. And, you know, it's all it's all antics, dude. It's all just to keep him from running again. Yeah. And to try and sway people's minds. But what they don't realize is, like, the more they come after him, the more support he's going to get. That's what because it's ask. like, dude, we see what you're doing. The the gig is up, man, for most of us. Like, we, we know the game. Yeah. Um, and... They just keep going down that. Like Ameri- the, do you think they underestimate like Americans being bright and knowing what's going on? 
Like, oh, they I won't think know. They just, They're just going to see headlines and think, oh, man, he's a bad guy. I think there might be some of that, but I also I think they just don't give a shit. They don't care what you think. Mm. They're like, we know better, you know. Mm. And they, I mean, everything is so blatant nowadays that I, I think most of it is they just don't give a shit what we think. Yeah. Um, because everything's right in front of our face. We They literally lie. This this president that we have now, I don't know how many lies he's told. I mean, the guy just makes stuff up. And it's like blatant lies. And then there's nothing. They're just like, yeah, whatever. Like, so what? And everyone just sort of goes along with it. They're like, oh, okay. And maybe, you know, we laugh at it. And we're like, oh, yeah, he's he's old and decrepit and sort of out of his mind. But it's like, dude, they're is some real red flags or has been some major red flags. Like not only is this guy unfit to be president, but his character is flawed to a degree that, I mean, I don't think we've seen in a long time. And I'm not saying, you know, anybody that runs for president is picture, you know, perfect and clean, but this, I think this has been the most like in our face, like, we don't give a shit what you guys think and we're going to keep running this show and we're going to, you know, you think it, do you see a resurgence like a, a, a taking back of, or men starting to step up having, do you think people are starting to see all the political crap that's going on and turning, turning away from it and going, okay, you know what? Maybe Trump was right. Um, I think, I don't know. I think there's maybe some, but I also think the, the deep hatred for Trump on the left is like blinding to, it just blinds them to everything else. Uh I mean, you, it's always, if you point out something like, dude, look at what this administration is doing now to somebody on the left that isn't extreme anti-Trumper, their, their response is like, yeah, but what about Trump? What about when Trump did this and it's, they, they constantly compare and it's like, dude, well, Trump's not in office right now. This guy is, and he's fucking ruining this country in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but they, they'd rather have that than Trump because they've been brainwashed to hate Trump mm-hmm. by the media. Yeah. I don't the media know. did a hell of a job when Trump ran and when he was in office of just getting half this country to absolutely hate him, you know, I mean, dude, take my mom, for example, dude, extreme anti-Trumper. Really? My brother, all of them, they were like, and I, we were sort of like the black sheep of the family because I was like, I'm voting for him, you know, (laughs) and I actually took Trevin, uh, it was his, I forget which birthday it was, it was like 16th. Um, but I was like, Hey buddy, what do you want to do today? And there just happened to be a Trump rally going on in San Diego. And he's like, I want to go to that rally. And so I took him down there and, uh, yeah, we, you know, we were all about him and it was for that reason. It's because I was like, dude, this guy is not a politician Yeah. and he's saying exactly what we're all thinking. Yeah. Um, but my, you know, my parents have changed their tune since then, especially with what I went through and they saw you know, Trump stepped in and, and gave you a fair shot. Yes. He did not. He didn't pardon me. Pardon he you. didn't, you know, that's always, I'm 
people dude. still to this day like, oh, you're pardoned. I'm like, no, dude, I went to trial. The thing is, I had all of my these rights violated. I was being mistreated, um, and he saw that, and he was like, no, this can't happen this way. The fact that a president would step in there and go, no, this is not right on just a single case, I mean, that's pretty impressive. But but you do hear constantly, oh that's oh yeah, Trump pardoned him. Yeah. And you're like, dude, no. It's because there's it's because there was a Green Beret and another army officer that were pardoned by him. Um and it was around you know, going on at the same time I was, so I sort of got thrown into that. And I, I you know, I remember seeing some of the news like they'd have our three faces up there and like, dude, I, I actually went to trial. Yeah. Like, and it, it, you know, during, uh, before my trial, we did get word. I think my lawyer's like, Hey, you know, he's thinking about pardoning you, you know, before you go to trial. And both me and Andrea were staunch. Like, no, yeah. we don't want to be pardoned. Like we were innocent and we're going to trial to prove it. Um, and, yeah, so I, I wasn't pardoned. What he did is they they tried to uh, take away my retirement and everything I'd done over the past the past 20 years, and he was like, no, this guy's going to retire with everything yes. that he earned, and that's that. And so, you know, that's – he didn't pardon me, but he did help us out in ways that, I mean, I don't think any other president would have stepped in and done, and done it. You'd thank God – like if Hillary Clinton was in office, I'd be in, sitting behind bars right now for the rest of my life. She she'd have put you up on a cross and up on the I mean, stake yeah, I mean, and she tweeted about me. <laughs> She's yeah, she was like, "This guy's grotesque" or whatever, you know. And it's like, yeah, I mean, and that's a th- that's the other thing is the left and the media they love to portray, you know, oh he's you know he doesn't give a shit. Trump doesn't care about this country or Trump, all, everything he does is an act. And it's like, no, it's not, dude. I've met him multiple times. The guy genuinely loves his country. He genuinely loves the military. He loves the military and he loves um, having a strong fighting force, you know, and he's always looking out to take care of us, you know, of, of the men and women that serve. Um, yeah. That's not an act. I feel yeah. like you can't say those two things. Those two things are almost synonymous. If you love this country, you love the military. You love, you know, you love the people that protect our freedoms. Yeah, I mean, well, that's your train of thought, and you know, I think it's the region that we live in. It's train of thought, but if you go out west or some places up north, you'll have people says, "Yes, I love this country, but I don't like the military." Right? It's you know, but that's, and here's the thing, that's their God-given right. It's like, okay, you can think like that. That's fine. That's why it's wrong. we went over there <laughs> to fight and to protect our freedoms, you know, and that's why men and women have signed up in years past to go over there and fight is so you can think like that. So you can have an opinion and you can state it. That's fine. Yeah. But the reality is you should be appreciative of people that have given their lives so that you can say stuff like that, mm. you know, but you, well, cause I, you know, I remember hearing, especially after I got out, you know, getting attacked and social media and everywhere else and people are, you know, talking shit and you're just like, dude, 
at first you're like, how can people, you know, think like this or say these things? But at the same time, it's like, well, we're in America. So they're allowed to, that's fine. You're allowed to say that stuff. Um, You know, as long as you're not threatening me or my family directly, I'd, then great. Have your, have your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. But like, it's so wrong. (laughs) It's backwards. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's backwards thinking, but. You're right though. Like that's, that's part of the freedoms, right? Like that you have the right to have your opinions and thoughts and express them. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And the thing I think of though is, I mean, we lose our military Oh, you will quickly lose all those freedoms. You know, we'll, we'll, we get overtaken by another country. Like it's going to be their opinions and their thoughts and their ideology. That's, that's supreme. Yeah. I mean, well, I think some of that's already creeping in regardless. Right. Yeah. I mean, now it's and that here. Here's their thing is <clears throat> like we, we talked about people can have their own opinions and thoughts and I can sit here and be like, like we just said, like, Oh, I think that's backwards what you're thinking, but I'm not going to tell that individual like, no, you must love the military. You must love this country. You have to, you know, be like this and that X, Y, Z. No, dude. Like if that's the way you want to think, I mean, I think it's backwards, but whatever. Mm -hmm. The problem is on the flip side. Now we're being told, Oh no, no, no. You have to think this way. Oh no. You, you have to relinquish your children, you know, um, you, yeah, the whole, uh, transgender thing. If you don't agree with it, then you're a bigot or you're a racist or you're this or that. They start calling you names and you're like, dude, I can sit here. I, I don't have to agree with it, but like we talked about, it's a free country. But the second you start pushing that on me or my family, that's when there's an issue, dude. And that's where I think we sort of lost ourselves. Um, we're, you know, there's certain groups out there that think like, this is the way I feel and everybody else must, you know, tiptoe around my feelings mm-hmm. and don't, how dare you offend me mm-hmm. in some form or fashion. For sure. I mean, you have gay friends, right? I have, I have friends that are, yeah, are I got, gay. I got you, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> you, went, you went right into that one. <laughs> and like, I do not, like, I don't agree with it, but dude, I'm still great friends with them. They yeah. don't push it on me. They don't push it on my kids. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be like, I got friends that are, I'm sure, you know, drug addicts or this or That's that. Me. But it's like, <laughs> I, I'm still, I still love them. And I'm like, I'm not, I don't judge them. Be like, well, you, you yeah. do, you smoke crack. So therefore I don't like you. And I, no, I, I love you. But I mean, I don't think what you're doing is right. But at the same time, that's your life, man. Yeah. And that's just the thought process I have about. You have the right yeah, to choose those. You have the right to be like that. Yeah, where 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 it starts getting over is where it's the pushing of no, you have to, and you see it slowly. I see it with. I mean, I took my kids to. It was a Disney movie. Cartoon, right? And there's a homosexual relationship that is. It used to sometimes you'd see things in there that would be really covert in the movie and you're like wait a minute that's an agenda but then this one's really overt right two boys dating each other in a cartoon movie and i'm like dude yeah i mean no. that's... And i'm i mean i got a five-year-old 
Well, they're indoctrinating your kids. And, and I'm like, no. Yeah. And my kids notice. I mean, the five-year-old notices it. They're like, wait, what? You know, the easy they're way both to com- boys. combat that? I don't go there. I don't, I don't go to the movies. I don't watch it. I don't. It's like, okay, well, I guess we're no. not watching this show anymore. Exactly. Um, you know, it's, it, it's as simple as that. You don't have to get up in a fit of rage about it and be like, you know, these damn gays in the cartoon, you know, like people yeah. flip out. It's like, no, just don't watch it, dude. And that's how you have to sort of combat everything nowadays. It's like, dude, if a certain company's putting out something that you don't agree with, then mm-hmm. don't buy from there. Yeah. Like, and I think there's opportunities there too, to like, you know, if, if I would have known that before going in, I wouldn't have taken them. But like, there's an opportunity where, where there's struggles. There's also opportunities sometimes where it's like, okay, you could start a, making cartoons or movies that were all appropriate, non-agenda pushing cartoons. Yeah. You know, or start a rating system that will rate them and, and tell parents. I think there's a couple of them out there that will like, someone will go and watch the movie and then give parents like a, a lowdown of it before they take them, you know, stuff like that. I think there is opportunities, opportunities there, but around, do you, do you think like with the Afghan withdrawal specifically, who who was like the main? Was there like one main leader over that that that? Um, who would you say like, hey, the top guy over that should have been the one that held responsible of? Oh, man, this was this was bad. This was really bad. This was twenty years of. Uh, well, I would think Millie. Yeah. Um, in my eyes, I'm like, dude, you're you're a, a freaking general, mm-hmm. um, and you should have stepped up and said, nope, this plan is not good. But the problem is, like we talked about earlier, all these officers are a bunch of yes men. They have no backbone. They're like a bunch of spineless jellyfish. So even when it's trickled down to the ranks and you have, you know, the officers that are actually over there, those officers don't know what to do. And there's a uh, <clears throat> the, uh, Marine, dude, I forget his name. He was... um. He was just on the Sean Ryan podcast. He's a uh, triple amputee. Um, he got blown up over there. Um, he went and testified in Congress, and he was a sniper over there. And they, you know, he testified that he had the uh, suicide bomber in his sights before and was and was like, hey, this is the guy. This is the description we got, and we take the shot. And the officers were like, I don't know. That's the answer. I don't know if you can. And then he was like, well, who does know? And he's like, I don't know. That's So there was no leadership. Mm. Nobody was stepping up, making a call. This is, this is the the bomber that killed those? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the that's the problem is when you, when you have a bunch of yes men. Nobody has the balls to step up and be like, nope, I'm making the call. Shoot, take him out. Mm-hmm. And I don't care. I'm putting my rank on the table. It's, but nobody, nobody has the balls to do that anymore. I mean, you saw what happened with, um, uh, that Marine Colonel who spoke out. We, our Pipeater Foundation actually, um, got behind him and supported him. Um, but he spoke out against withdrawal. He was in uniform and was like, pretty much said exactly what we were all thinking. He was like, this was a catastrophe. Who, who the hell is making these calls? They went after him. They're like, you're done. And 
because he called out the obvious. Mm-hmm. That's and that's the other. That's why you don't have officers stepping up, putting their rank on the table, being like, "Nope, I'm making the call," because they're all scared. Mm-hmm. They're all scared that their careers are going to get ruined. And just like I said, they're all worried about their own careers instead of the men and women below them. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. Is it all? Would you say? All officers, or it's just the officer system, like where they go. I think it's the system, right? I I don't, you know, I don't think officers in general are are bad human beings or shitty leaders. I mean, I think, I I do think that the, you know, uh, academies like Annapolis and West Point need to be revamped. I think they need to have uh, someone go in there that is. Um, not part of the system and be like, I want to see the curriculum that you guys are putting out mm-hmm. and it needs to be revamped. Um, because I think what's being taught in there is elitism, careerism, um, and not actually leading men and women. Yeah. Right. So I think what you have is these officers come out of these academies and some of them don't go to the academies. They, you know, they do ROTC or whatever, uh, uh, officer program, I, for, I forget what it's called, um, that they, you know, they go to college and then become an officer um, afterwards. I just think the way the system is set up for those individuals, like they probably start off their career as like, you know, gung-ho leaders that are there for the right reason. But once they start picking up rank, they're like, oh shit, I see how this works. And I think what happens is a lot of the good ones get out. Because they're like, I'm not conforming to this. I'm not going to put up with this. And I've seen it. I've seen great officers just like, no, I'm done. Like, I, I can't do this. Yeah. Um, but that's the way the the system is designed right now. And I think that needs to be changed as well. It's only That's like their only choice, really. It's like, okay, I'm not going to change the whole system. So I'm either going to get out and keep my integrity intact or I'm going to go along with the path. Yeah. Conform mm-hmm. and be a, be a conformist. And it's, you know, the same thing happens in the enlisted side as well. I mean, it's, it's the same BS when I picked up chief, um, which is like in the Navy, that's like the big step up, you know, now you're a chief and they make a big deal out of it. But we really in reality. Now you, you're a conformist. You're part of the, institution you're part of the system right oh. and as a chief you will put out exactly what we want you to put out because oh. you're you're part of the system now you're one of us and i was like no, i'm not i i fucking did you, hate <laughs> did you tell them hey i'm an anti-conformist so. yeah they knew it um <laughs> when i had to go so when you pick up chief you have to go uh do this whole like indoctrination, um, chief indoctrination pro. Uh, it's like a month long, right? And they play games with you, and it's like it's it's so gay. Um, there's nothing like cool about it, uh, and I I wasn't having it. I was like, I'm not doing this bullshit because um, it was just like it's like playing patty cakes. And I was like, I've been in at that point for like 18 years, and I was like, I don't, I'm not putting up with this. But the one thing they made me do was they have like a, a heck night. Which I think it used to be called hell night, but I can't <laughs> can't call it hell anymore. It's heck night, and uh, you still you know, you're up for ooh twenty four hours like getting messed with, and um, 
yeah, they and what they have is they have other chiefs, senior chiefs there, you know, yelling at you and like asking you questions and it's all very like basic leadership stuff which it's like dude as a a new guy seal you you're you know all this already you know um but yeah i wasn't there i mean i remember some guy got and a chick got in my face and they were like telling me to get wet and sandy and this and that and i just looked at him i was like i'm not fucking doing this i was like don't first off don't get in my face and i'm not playing this game and they had to have my one of my best friends who was already a chief come down and like chaperone me through the whole thing because they're like he's a problem he's not playing the game and that's the attitude i have i was like yeah i will lead and i'm gonna go do the job but i am not going to conform yeah. and which is probably why some <laughs> some of the stuff <laughs> happened to me but i don't care like i yeah, yeah. it's um i just i'm not built for that you know which some people are i got yeah. One of my best friends right now is a master chief, and he's he is he knows how to play the game. He's a great master chief, great leader, cares about the dudes below him, but he also knows how to play the game a little bit. And I just don't. I'm like I I can't stomach it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's how with some of these officers that get to that certain point, they're like I can't stomach this dude. I can't play the the politics and all the bureaucracy and this and that. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the the when I was when I was going through counselor after counselor and rehabs and all that stuff, you know how many times I was diagnosed oppositionally defiant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Authority what is it, uh defiance authority or authority defiance, I forget the, the term. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely have that and yeah. I see it in my kids. But what's wild is at the same time you give those guys you give those guys a runway and let them have the response, take the responsibility on. They're some of the best leaders. Yeah. Let right? them eat. Like, yeah. here's your task. Yeah. Go. In fact, like get it you, done. I imagine, imagine you're the same way. It's like you explain to me, Hey, like, here's the goals. Here's what we, what we got to accomplish. Like, come along, help. Like, here's the main things that, that need to happen. Right. When you push ISIS out or all this. Okay. Like, like you'll lead incredibly in doing it. It's like, okay, I'll yeah. nail those goals. All you need to be given is some right and left lateral limits. Like, hey man, just don't do this and don't do this. Yeah. The rest, figure it out. Yeah. How to do it. like it's on you to figure it out. And that's that's where I think a lot of us thrive in. It's like, okay, here's the space that I have to work in and I can do whatever yeah. to try and get the job done. And I'm not, I'm not being told how to do it, when to do it. You know, it's on, it's on me. Yeah. And what, what they did to you though, is they said, here's our goal. And you're like, got it. I'm on it. Like we're going to push ISIS out of this city. And they go, your limit, your right and left limits. Now they're getting down to the point that you can't accomplish the goal of why you're there. Yeah. I mean, there was definitely some of that, um, like I talked about earlier, you know, the, the whole not going on the front lines and getting, you know, getting the speeches by these admirals that would show up like, this isn't our fight. Don't, you know, it's not worth your life, you know, just, and, but it's like, dude, you're not the ones going out there every day, dodging IEDs, dodging V-bids. Um, you're not putting your life on the line every day. Don't tell me 
how to operate out there when you're not fucking stepping foot out there, mm-hmm. right? And don't give me these asinine rules where I can't get the job done. Like, you know, perfect examples, like one day we were out there and we were getting mortared uh, pretty heavily. You know, they were landing all, you know, within 20, 20 yards and then 15 Jeez. yards. And so I there was a building 100 yards up. And I was like, hey, we're requesting moving to this building. And they were like, denied. You cannot push forward any farther. And I'm like, well, we're taking mortars right now. And that's the place of cover. And they're like, nope. And so we're like, okay, then we'll come back to base. And they're like, yeah, you can't do anything. So that's, I mean, that that was a frustrating thing. It's like, dude, we literally, all we had to do was move up to that building and we could accomplish what we need to accomplish out here. But you're restricting us. Um, and, you know, and that's where... As a leader, I was like, I'm not playing this game. Like, are we here to win? Are we here to get the job done? Or am I here to just follow the rules and, you know, wait till the next SEAL platoon comes in here to hopefully finish the job, you know, and keep this thing ongoing? No. Problem is they weren't too concerned with finishing the job. I don't think so. When you think of back of the war now i mean you've been out five years about five about five yeah like what are like what are some of the memories you go back to like do you think about it like when you're running you're preparing for the race no i don't think about think about it too much at all really Um, no like i you know and only when i'm around my friend you know my old teammates and everything yeah like that's when well, you know, the old remember when conversations, uh, that's when a lot of the stuff, you know, you could start remembering, but I, I just, I try to focus on moving forward and what am I doing next? Um, you know, because I mean, I, I'm grateful and I feel privileged for the time that I had in the military and the, what I got to do. I mean, we actually got to go play the game. Um, but there was also, you know, if you look back on it, you can get frustrated. You can, especially with the way things ended up, um, it's like, well, I'm not going to dwell on it. I mean, there's yeah. that that has already happened. Um, can't change it. No, I can't change it. Um, so I just try to keep moving forward. What was one? Of, what was like? Like, is there a specific slice in time or like slice in deployments that you were like, man, this was like a sweet spot that I had just such a good group with me that we were just, it was a blast. Oh, I mean, I had multiple deployments like that. Yeah, I mean, my first two or three were awesome. I had just the best dudes around me. I mean, I had the great leaders, uh, just great mentors. Um, And, yeah, it was like, I don't want to ever do anything else like this is it. And I want to do this job until I cannot walk anymore or I can't physically do it. Um, and yeah, I mean the, the best memories, I mean, I have are like the coolest ones or, I mean, just, I remember flying into one target one night, you know, on the black Hawk and you're just sort of dangling your legs out and we're, you know, going, uh, it was like a couple hour flight and just looking out, into the landscape and you're, you know, we're flying over different fobs and they're in firefights. You're seeing tracers go back and forth and you're just like, dude, 
you know, you're on not, you know, nods just watching this. And I was like, bro, this is so badass. <laughs> like, I don't want to be anywhere else. Um, and then another one, you know, the best times are like when we're actually patrolling into target doing like a long, uh, infill and you just, you know, if you just stop and look, look around at the guys and you're just like, dude, this is sick. Like uh. we are a bunch of ninjas about to go in there and, you know, hopefully wreck shop. Uh. Um, you know, those are experiences that you'll never have, you know, again. And those are like the good memory. Like I got to work with like the best of the best, uh, you know, and I was grateful to be there. What's it like to be on a team of like such high level professionals and work? I think of like that's one of the highest level of teamwork, right? Of being able to work as a unit and you know you go left, you know your guys going right and cover. And what's it like to be synchronized that, like that with the team, like going in and clearing a building and I'm in it and everyone does their own part. Is is When you're in sync like that, is there nothing like that? Yeah, I mean, you know, <clears throat> the reason you're in sync like that is because you've put in the work beforehand, right? You, you've trained your ass off um, together for a year. You know, you can literally look at somebody's outline at night and be like, you know exactly who that person is by the way they walk. And maybe they have like a little hitch in their step or the way they wear their helmet. You're like, oh, that's, you know, Dave or whoever. Um, but, it, I mean, it's it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to put in all the work beforehand and then see it come to fruition when you go hit a target and everybody knows their exact job and everyone's... And you don't have to worry, right, as a, like, oh, is this person going to go do do this and protect me? It's like it's not even a thought. It's like we're going, and I know I'm with a bunch of professionals. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's what it is. You're, you're with a bunch of professionals that know their job, and we're all there for the same reason. That's so cool. Who, who would you say is the most badass Navy SEAL that, you, that you've known? Uh, I mean, dude, it's hard to call out just one. I know. You know there's, Drago's pretty badass. Drago is. Drago's a legend. Uh, he's awesome. I mean, there are dudes, and here's the thing, like, there are dudes that no one's ever going to hear about mm-hmm. that are never going to come out and be like, I did this or I did that, that are absolute fucking legends that are warriors. Um, and they're humble and they're like, yeah, I did it. I mean, there's guys with like 18, 20 deployments, right? Um, those guys, you know, my hat, my hat's off to them. And, you know, those are the type of individuals that I looked up to, um, that constantly strove to like be the best. Um, but they know, they knew they would never get there. You know, they strive for excellence, but know that you're never there. Yeah, you're constantly can can be better, and that type of attitude trickles down to the dudes around you know around them, and yeah. everybody sort of wants to take on that same mindset, um, you know. And I've, yeah, I can't name yeah. like one individual. There's um, several. Do you, the, was it really cool to hear Drago put you up there when he was on our podcast? Yeah, I mean, are you kind of like, uh, yeah, it's always, you know, you're like, no, I mean, it's definitely like humbling to hear him say that. 
Um, wow. especially cause I looked at him as, you know, especially coming up, like I talked about, it's like, that's the guy that you heard stories about. Um, and then to hear him say it back, you're like, what? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, I don't do that. And that's the thing. I don't view myself like that at all. I, it was like, dude, I, I did some stuff. I did some more than others, but I also did less than a lot. So yeah. it's like, I, you know, I was just there trying to earn my spot daily. Yeah. Do you think, do you think, do you, in your head, do you contribute some is like, man, I got just the luck of the draw in some scenarios of being able to be at the right places, the right times. And yeah, there's some of that. Um, there's definitely, you know, be in the right place, right time, but there's also ways to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah. And once you figure the, the system out and like how, I mean, like before you deploy <clears throat> the team, the teams have to choose, you know, what platoons go into what area of operations. Right. So from that, right from there, you're already like, okay, how can we position ourselves to get into the best spot? Right. So then yeah. you're, you're playing that game before you deploy to try and get to the right spot. Um, and there's ways to do it. Um, one is perform better than everybody else. That's number one. Yeah. But of course, politics and all that bullshit gets involved too. So, yeah. uh, so you have to sort of play that in a little, a little bit. Um, yeah. But the the best thing you can do is just outperform yeah. everybody uh, as a platoon. And then when you're actually in country, right? You and going to hit these targets, you can once you have enough experience, you can look at like the target you're going to hit the night before and be like, okay, if I was the enemy, I'd probably come from here. And so when you're on target, you position yourself where you think the enemy's going to come from, and that way you're going to get the most, yeah, shoot somebody. You know, you're like, all right. And usually, you know, if you once you get good enough at it and you have enough experience, you know, some it comes to fruition sometimes. Yeah. Did you have moments? Did you have moments throughout your career that you were like, holy shit, I'm like a legit Navy SEAL doing ninja stuff. Like, like, like you mentioned when you're flying on the black hop, that, that deal, but like just different times that you're like, there's nowhere on, like, this is the coolest thing ever. I like, think I visioned like, it, but now it's, reality. I think during like the, like I talked about like flying the black hawk or patrolling a target, but once you're actually engaged or doing stuff, there's no time, you know, you're not thinking yeah. about like, Oh my gosh, I'm, you're, you're like, yeah. what's, what's my job? What am I yeah. doing? And what can and if you do your job, you don't have anything. Well, you look for work. What can I do next to improve the situation? Oh. Right. So you're you're not really like having time to look around and be like, dude, I can't believe. Take some selfies. Yeah. <laughs> but there, I mean, there are like those little times, like flying in on the bird or yeah. you know patrolling in and just like looking around at the guys you're with, and you're just like, dude, this this doesn't get any sexier than this. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. What's wild to me, Eddie, and what makes it so legit, because um, a lot of people don't, they, they don't know you. I feel like I know you really well, um, is you would have never come out and, like, talked about all this stuff. you never probably done a podcast or any of this stuff if all this stuff didn't happen to you. No. 
Yeah, probably you know? not. Um, which I, you know, I consider that a blessing that it did happen. And as shitty as it was, it's given me uh, opportunities, you know, to better myself, uh, to sort of put myself out there, um, make make myself uncomfortable. Um, and it's been good, you know. Um, and, you know, having friends like you that sort of, you know, push me or, like, give me the opportunities with you. I mean, it's it's been a blessing, and I think it's just, you know, it's the way God works. Yeah. Like, I got different plans for you, so. You nailed it. I, I mean, the bigger story is, like, God used that to to set you up and grow. He's like, I got a plan for you, and it's actually probably going to end up being bigger than what you did before, and it's going to help a ton of people, and – I'm going to use you for it, but this part's going to suck and you're not going to know why for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put you through, a, put you in the fire a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, going to break this. Like y- you've even said it before. Like you had that idol. Of oh yeah. Seal team. Yeah. And you were like, man, it came before my family. Like had to. Yeah. It, it broke that for sure. And um, it, which he, it needed to. He broke that because he loves you, you know? And it's, I, I don't know. God is so cool. Yeah. He's, he is the best for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, it's it's been it's been a wild ride, you know. And then I, the big the big blessing, you know, is I I get to be home. I oh, with my kid, I spent more time with my kids in the past five years than I have over the past twenty, you know, and or yeah, you know, since I've had them, and it's just been awesome getting to see them, yeah. you know, grow up. And you know, we got Trevin just left. He's in Marine Corps boot camp right now, you know. Uh-huh on his third week getting getting yelled at but you know i was i was talking to andrea yesterday because we were i think some memory popped up in her phone and it was like uh when trevin first went to college which was five years ago it was actually right when i got locked up yeah. um and we were both like dude that feels like ages ago right um you know time flies but it's been good though man i mean it's just like I I would have never had this experience if that stuff hadn't happened. Yeah, I, you know I get to you know watch Ava go off to college and and Sweet then girl. yeah watch Ryan's you know kicking ass at wrestling doing his stuff and yeah. just being Ryan. Yeah, <laughs> you get you get to be the bumpers for him and yeah. corral him. Yeah, oh that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and then uh yeah we got this uh you know this event coming up. Yeah, which I've been training for, so that I wouldn't have this opportunity either. Basically, for people that don't know, Eddie's life's been going too good, so he has to like throw some pain throw, and throw some chaos in there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you, you know, I think for the listeners, most of them probably listen to the one that podcast and me and Johnny. Um, so yeah, that's coming up in November. The the uh, Monster Mash put on by NB. Um, which is a uh, company that is doing research and study and to and developing things to mitigate the uh, suicide and mental health epidemic in this country. Um, and they're really like making strides uh, going forward. You know, um, they've come up with their that app that really helps guys uh, keep each other accountable. And they have, they have a swim buddy, and the, if you're not doing good, the app will let your swim buddy know like hey call this dude now um but you know and that's just like one step forward into um fighting this epidemic and yeah. 
and trying to mitigate it. But that's, I mean, that's the reason we're doing this, this race is to hopefully raise money that they can put more research and development into it and then just bring awareness into, you know, what everybody should already know what's going on. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, we're going to put ourselves through some pain and suffering. Monster Mash is not like, I, I would call it more like the death ring. <laughs> it's like you skydive a mile in to, and then you into the ocean. And then no, you it's swim. a river. Um, so it's a river in Montana. Um, and that it's like, so we're swimming 10 miles um, down that river. Hopefully there's a strong current going in our favor. And then, uh, but it'll be cold. It's going to be at 40 degrees. Uh, but it's cool. You know, we're going to have a kayaker per person that's going to be following along with us, making sure, you know, we're. The kayaker's going to be like, man, my arms are tired, man. <laughs> I'll be like, cool, I'm going to switch out. I'll get in there and I'll get in there and kayak. You can swim a little bit. Yeah. I might, uh, you know, who knows? I might just reach my hand out and hold on to the kayak and be like, dude, tell me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're doing that 10 miles and then immediately getting out, transitioning into the run for a 200 mile run with kit and we're, everybody's doing it. Um, it's not like a team effort, um, where we're partitioning up the race. It's everybody's going to do everything. Um, Four days. It's well now it's three. So Shit. I think three days and three nights. So there's no, no sleeping. We're going to have, um, uh, the, Giovanni, uh, one of the guys that's uh, doing the event with us, and he's also put together the training program. Um, he works at Exos. Uh, he has partitioned, like, he's partitioned it up, so I think, like, every, I think, 50 miles, we'll have, like, a rest stop, um, like, a couple hours, maybe an hour and a half. Uh, they'll have... You can't sleep that long, though, right? I, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, this Your is... body's got to lock up. Yeah, like, I don't... I've never done anything like this, so I'm sort of just going into it, like... You've never run 200 miles with a kit on your back Jeez. <laughs> I mean, it's just one of... Yeah, you go into it, like, oh, we'll see what happens. You yeah, know? this I mean, morning before we're filming this, Eddie's like, well, I just ran... Thir- he ran over a marathon this morning just uh, before we filmed the podcast. It's yeah. like, yeah, I'm a little sore. It's like, dude, it's 30 miles. Jeez, Louise. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely been um, – it's – you know what, man? I, I It's good. I like it. I, I You know, I think at first when I signed off on it, I was like, yeah, I want to do this um, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it because my buddy asked me. I, you know, I think it was a couple of weeks of like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. I can't believe I just, you know – signed yeah. up for this and I'm, you know, started training for it. And, but now I'm like, there's, it's a, per, like I it's a purpose. It's yeah. like, okay, I have to train for this and perform and it's for a good cause. Um, and that's all that matters. It's like, you know, we're not doing this to like, Oh, look at us, you know, this, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's none of us are like ultra marathoners. No. I mean, if you see the guys that are, it's funny, the group of individuals that are, you know, there's eight of us. Um, and we get on a call once a week. And I think it's so funny, dude, because everyone in their own, you know, you could see they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, but nobody wants to say it. Everyone's like, oh, like, uh, everybody doing okay, you know? And I, I think it's going to be 
a good example. Um, Cause you really can't train completely for that. Right. Like you can train some, I mean, you can get your body used to it. So like, you know, I ran for four and a half hours this morning. Um, it's just getting, I mean, I, I think it's going to be a lot more mental than anything. Cause either way, your body is going to be in pain. Like at 200 miles straight, it's and with kid on, like it's going to hurt. Right. So Bad. you just have to like the training that I'm doing now is just, yeah, I'm getting my legs, you know, physically ready for it. Um, but at the same time, it's more about just digging deep and being like, and sort of getting into that zone of like, all right, you know, I'm doing this. Um, and not letting those little thoughts, those intrusive thoughts come in that, that, you know, inevitably probably will like, Hey, we can take a break, you know, or Hey man, just why are you, why are you running four hours? Just make it two, dude. Just, you know, why, what's, what's the difference? And it's like, or, no, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> yeah. And I, but I think we're all going to be together. And I think that's why it's going to be a good example as well, especially for what the reason why we're doing it. Right. Because what we're, what we're trying to mitigate is like guys isolating themselves and not calling out for help or, or vice versa. Guys not reaching out to dudes that probably know they need help. Um, this will be a good example because we're going to do this as a group. And I know, you know myself included, probably during, during that 200 mile excursion, you're going to hit a low point and be like, dude, I'm, I'm fucking hurting. But then yeah. the guy next to me is going to be like, no man, let, we're going to keep going. Or, you know, somebody yeah. will be there with you to motivate you and vice versa. Like you'll be that individual like, Hey man, I got you. Let's go. Um, and that's the way it's supposed to work. Yeah. Right. And I hope that, that when we do this event, people can see that. And we're actually having uh Kyron you've met my, he's going to be there documenting the whole thing. That's awesome. So he's making a documentary out of it. Which will make it badass. Yeah. I mean, and that's the, you know, the purpose. So people can see like, dude, you, you can't do things on your own. Yeah. Right. You have to be, you have to be vulnerable, vulnerable enough to lean on somebody and be like, Hey dude, I need help or vice versa. Be the one to let, to have that person lean on you and be like, okay, I'm going to carry some of your weight right now and help you get through this. Yeah. What's funny is it's almost the exact opposite of how we started the podcast today is talking about leadership, you know, arm, armchair quarterbacks and make it and then you guys going, no, we're going to come underneath for these guys suffering and we're going to suffer. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've always true leadership is leading by example, right? It's, uh, not just putting out orders and then being like, yeah, go get this done. And you're nowhere to be found. Right. You, you should be doing everything that you're asking people to do or should have done what you're asking individuals to do. Right. And the the people that work below, you should see you do that. Right. I mean, it's little things like, you know, taking out the trash or something like, Hey, if you're, you're not above that man, or, you know, you should do it. And then I'll tell you what happens is, a good lead, if you how you have a good leader, how you know is like if like in the platoon space, if if the chief is like, Oh, and you see him going to take out the trash and somebody else is like, No, I got it. Let me do it. It that's how you know you have a good leader because those people below you respect you enough to be like, Nope, you're a good leader, we'll handle this. But at the same time, you're showing them like, No, I'm not above this. I'll do I'll do it. Right. Yeah, that's a good word. Yeah. 
That's awesome. That's a good way to end it. Yeah. Thank you, Eddie. Appreciate it. Thank you, Dave. All right. Out.